neither the time nor the space. My name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the desiderate Matt. Hello there. So, today we are talking about Utopia. Yeah. Um, as you know... <laughs> just an awkward <laughs> silence there. That I'm just trying to think, where do, well. where do I begin? Mm. As you know, normally, when we're doing a two-parter or, you know, a, a longer story... Um, I like to uh, just smush them together in a uh-huh. single episode. So, of course, we've got the two-part finale coming up, still to come uh, next week. But haha, no secret three-parter. <laughs> yeah, I hope that 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 took you by surprise. Well, it's it's going to tie into my ranking okay. rating for this episode mm-hmm. because, as you know, our standard rating good episode. Or bad episode. Yeah. Or good episode with bad bits. Yeah. Bad episode with good bits. I, I'm i going to call this bad episode with good bits. Okay. And specifically, I'm going to say bad episode with a fucking brilliant ending. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I would, for just the other side, I would say good episode, bad bits. Mm. It's not perfect, but you know I, what? I think the first uh, half an hour is just standard... <laughs> Oh no, there's a problem. I'm the doctor. I best go fix it. And then, just in that last ten minutes, the pace picks up. And yeah. It's one of those episodes. I like episodes like this where it makes me feel stupid for not spotting like uh-huh. the obvious nods and the clues. Yeah. And when it all ties together, I really like that. Yeah. So we'll. I think we'll try to hold off as much as possible. Yeah. For now, about the. I mean. There is so much to unpack in that last ten minutes, yeah, um, and yeah, we will definitely. get there for sure. But um, yeah, taking the episode on face value, it's one that actually I warm to more as a whole episode every time I watch it. Because the mm. first the first time I watched it, it was completely overshadowed mm. by its ending and the implications thereof, and you almost have to take a step back and just view the rest of the story. In, in isolation. And I actually think there is a lot to enjoy there. We get some solid Captain Jack uh, stuff throughout yeah. the episode, which is, is fun. I, I would say, along with the ending, Captain Jack... I mean, everyone knows I'm a little bit in love with Captain Jack. I think we all are. But he's one of the best bits here. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it just... In giving us a bit of a return to form after the sort of dour version that we get in Torchwood... It's quite yeah. nice to have, like, happy-go-lucky Captain Jack back. I mean, it, I, I've only watched the first episode of Torchwood. Yeah. Is there a noticeable difference in his character? What I have read... I mean, obviously, I've read, seen the first four or five episodes of Series 1 before I gave it up, um, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. Um, and everything I've read about Torchwood implies that... That's the version of Captain Jack you get for the majority of it because he is in that leadership role. And, yeah, and so, he's less flamboyant. Yeah, than... yeah, and I don't know. I just, I much prefer him when he's just tagging along and having a, a laugh yeah. with the Doctor. So, yeah, I think we, we let, let's not beat about the bush. Let's just get in, let's just get stuck into this because we've got so much to talk about. Okay, so, so this is the 16th of June, 2007. Yep. Yeah. And. The TARDIS appears in Cardiff. 
because of course it does, because yeah. it's either going to be Cardiff or London. And in fact, we get a call back to Boomtown. I remember, and I, mm. I should apologise, um, because in Boomtown I stated that it is never again referenced that the TARDIS uses the rift in Cardiff as a refueling point. Yeah. They, do, it does here. they do acknowledge it here. And it, it angers me just as much this time around as it did in that episode. It, again, it's just, we need a convenient reason to be in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I've put in the first sentence of my notes, TARDIS appears in Cardiff, are we going to see Torchwood? Yeah. The answer's no, but we do get Captain Jack. We kind of do. We get we get an acknowledgement of... The implication, in fact, that Jack says is basically he decided to stay in Cardiff mm. because he knew sooner or later the Doctor would have to turn up yeah. and because, uh, use the rift. So the Doctor explains Cardiff to Martha. Yes. <laughs> it just basically yeah. explains its importance. And Captain Jack is running down the street towards the TARDIS screaming doctor yeah and we get a little bit of the usual tardis nonsense yeah with captain jack hanging on the outside so he's grabbed the tardis yeah as it yeah hurtling through the time vortex yeah um yeah it's <sighs> okay it is objectively a bad special effects like it looks really cheap and shoddy mm-hmm. it's also an incredibly daft idea um, it's, it's, Barrowman's performance is ridiculously over the top because he's just like shouting, Doctor, at the top of his voice whilst it's happening. And yet, I love that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It is inherently bad, I mean, but I love it. I, I joked last week that I didn't like it in the episode where it was a bit of fun. Yeah. A bit of silliness to break it up. But it's nice here. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just biased and I give Captain Jack like a nice pass. Captain Jack gets such a pass for so many things that I wouldn't wouldn't tolerate with any other character. So, yeah, and of course, in doing so, him clinging on kind of throws the TARDIS off. And the Doctor is kind of puzzled inside as they seem to be hurtling towards the very end of time. Yeah, the year 100 trillion. Yeah. And when they land, it's like these horrible goth vampires... Yeah, they are the most generic, post-apocalyptic, like, cyberpunk tribesmen, aren't they? Let, just... Let's just talk about this. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I know that we get an answer later on. Uh-huh, vaguely. But we're in the year 100 trillion. Yeah. But the last human, Lady Cassandra, was in the year 5 billion. Hmm. So... What's going on here? Okay, so my um, my head cannon, mm-hmm. to use that that phrase, um, is that Lady Cassandra believes she is the last human because she, well, she talk, refers to herself as the last pure human, right? Mm-hmm. So by her definition, she is the last human, and the rest she refers to as mongrels. You know, they've been interbreeding mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Later on in this episode. The Doctor refers to the fact that human beings have gone through all kinds of configurations. They've yeah. been, you know, uh, sentient gases and downloads, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is the, oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah. um, but then, sooner or later, they revert to yeah. their original form. Because he does so, call humans the great survivors. Yes, he? yeah. And that is a theme, even throughout um, Classic Who. You will, you will see, dotted throughout time and space, 
pockets of human settlers, mm-hmm. human travellers, variations on humanity. So, yeah, Lady Cassandra isn't the be-all and end-all. She doesn't have infinite knowledge. She can't know what's going to happen vastly in the future and what form human humanity is going to take. Mm-hmm. So, whilst this is going on, after the titles, these goth vampires are hunting a human man. Yeah. A standard human. Yeah. And this has all been observed by an old man. Yeah. In his, like, observatory room. Yeah. With his alien sidekick. Yeah. The old man, played by Derek Jacobi. Mm-hmm. One of our great television and stage actors. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him from other stuff. I recognise him. Yeah. I think he's most, his most prominent TV role, I think, was probably Canfile. Mm-hmm. The sort of medieval monk detective. Right. Uh, based on a series of books, but he's just like he's the sort of actor that my mum will watch anything he's in. You know, he's just you know of a certain pedigree. Yeah. Um, so definitely like the big name, the get for this episode. So whilst we're talking about yeah. him, yeah. shall we take a moment to talk about Chantho? Oh yes, lovely Chantho. Yeah. Now I said when we watched Family of Blood, yeah, I hated the mother of mine, brother of mine, yeah. Chantho, she's pretty annoying. Chan, what are you talking about, Tho-Tho? Yeah, starts every sentence with Chan. Yep. And every ends it with with though. Yeah. And it gets real old real quick. But then later in the episode, and I don't want to jump ahead, we find out the reason she does that is basically just manners. Yes. In her culture, if you don't do that, Mm -hmm. it's the equivalent of swearing. Yeah. And then we get a silly little scene where... Like, Martha encourages her not to do it. Uh-huh. Chantho just... I think she just says the word no. No. Yeah. Ordinarily, she'd say Chan, Chan no, no, though. though. Yeah. So she just says no and goes... <laughs> and it's, a, it's yeah. just pointless. I really didn't like it. One man's pointless scene is another man's adorable, memorable moment. It's one of my favourite little moments in this episode. I love it. I love Chantho. I will not hear a word against Chantho. You leave see, Chantho alone. I want you to see Chantho meet her maker. I well, uh, good job your wish is granted <laughs> yeah. in this episode. Yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like you're fully siding <laughs> on... Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Anyway. So, the old man, we yeah. find out, is called Professor Yana. Mm-hmm. And he's looking for Utopia. Yeah. So, without getting ahead of ourselves, it's basically going to be like the last bastion of mankind. Yeah. They think they've reached the end of time. Yeah, they and... got this signal. Yeah. Like, come to Utopia. Yeah. Um, so we're pretty much at the heat death of the universe here, yes. aren't we? Yeah. Um, so he issues a command over the speaker because he's detected the TARDIS arriving. Yeah. Okay. Now the Doctor says Time Lords have never come this far in time. Mm-hmm. Does that work in canon? Has he ever been to the <sighs> end of time before? I'm not aware of it so far in um, Classic Who. I won't claim to have watched everything or, or read all the extended novels or, you know all the rest of it um but so much as doctor who has a canon of what i know of it yeah they've never gone this far but then also the doctor's been wrong before Mm. um so we then cut to the doctor and martha they step out of the tardis and find jack on the floor yeah i quite like this bit because as soon as he wakes up he starts flirting with Martha. Yeah, immediately. The, yeah, and the Doctor just goes, oh, stop it. Yeah. Like, he's, he just knows <laughs> yeah. immediately what Jack's going to do. Yeah. And Jack is quite interesting at this point, because he says that the Doctor abandoned him. 
Yeah. So yeah, because this is the first time that they we... have seen each other since uh, the events of Parting of the Ways. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he does. Th- th- he and Rose just fly off in the TARDIS, leave him in that arse end of, of, you know, humanity where it's, you know, they've just been ravaged by the Daleks and he's just like, off you go. Correct, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. The Doctor and Rose presume that he's dead because he does die in battle. But then he's revived. He's, he's resurrected by Rose. As the bad wolf. Um, she's, a, they're aware of that. Um, because do you remember the uh, mini episode that I played you? Yes. Um, yeah. Where the Doctor he's he's in a bit of an unhinged hmm. phase, having re- uh, phase having recently regenerated, um, and Rose brings up Jackie, says, "Ah, nah, don't worry about it. He's got plenty to do. He's rebuilding the Earth, and it's just right. like so he I, just I just as, couldn't assumed, remember how yeah. they had left it. Yeah, no, the there Doctor was... has just kind of just were like, oh no, Jack's got other yeah. fish to fry." But I think you could interpret that as maybe the Doctor not wanting to face the reality of uh, Rose's actions mm-hmm. and the potential consequences of that in creating an immortal being. Because Jack asks about Rose. And yeah. We get another explanation. Yeah. And Martha basically says, oh, good old Rose. Yeah. And again, she's, you know... We've gone through this already, where yeah. she feels she's playing second fiddle to Rose. Then the Doctor assumes that that's not the case. But but then we he just again. yeah, they're just name checking Rose again. So you can understand from uh, from Martha's perspective why she might be a bit salty. I mean, if if I had a friend, and we did a Doctor Who podcast, yeah, and that person died, and then I said, "Oh, David, do you want to help me out and do this?" And yeah. every so often, I just mentioned my friend who did it. Would would you be a dick about it? <laughs> yeah. If I also fancied you, well, yeah, <laughs> hypothetically, yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's weird. Look, I don't love it. I don't mm. love it as as writing for Martha. I think it does the character and, of Martha a and disservice. The thing, is, the thing is, I know I'm not a typical Doctor Who fan. Yeah, but I I think I'm probably in the majority of saying. We all prefer Rose to Martha anyway, so yeah. she's not doing a good job endearing herself to us. Yeah, we're, we're, this is a discussion we are definitely going to get into uh, in a couple of weeks when we do our Series 3 wrap-up. Right. I've got lots to say on the subject, but I want I don't want to preempt it. Right. Okay, so they find an underground city. Yes. A city that has been killed by time. Yeah. So it's, it's quite just, it's, derelict. It's like caves in the side of a crevasse. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's unpopulated and because yeah. uh, the doctor even a, says he doesn't know whether it's a hive rather than a city. Yeah, he's trying to find the right vocabulary for uh, whatever this is. If you're familiar with uh, the works of um, artists, best known for his album covers, Roger Dean. Uh, some fantastic Yes album covers. Um, it's got that kind of quality mm. to it. So yeah. So the Doctor then hints at Jack not being able to die before seeing the aforementioned human being chased by these horrible gods. Yeah. Who just... I love that they just go, Human! Yeah, it, like I say, this human! is... Human! Oh, you done? <laughs> you got one yeah. more in you? I don't know. 
So I'll find out. Human! Yeah, turns out I did. <laughs> I'm glad we're recording this when my yeah. wife's not home. <laughs> uh, I'm having fun. Anyway, <laughs> right. So, Jack begins loading his gun, but yeah. rather than firing at the horrible monster goths, yeah. he shoots it in the air to halt the charge. And the man says they've got to get to the silo. Yeah. And they gain entry by showing their teeth. When mm-hmm. they get to the gate of the silo, the horrible goths, as we've said, have like they... Nosferatu fangs. Yeah, yeah. They, Big old they, fangs. They're just budget bad guys. Are they the most nondescript villains we've seen so far? They do seem a bit like... They're just like a sort of filler monster that you'd throw in at the last minute when DMing a... Uh, like post-apocalyptic RPG session, don't they? Yeah, they're just like okay, you you've got it's generic. They're raiders. Well, yeah, it's, you, it's, it's some raiders. They got fangs. Have a fight, guys. It's like H.G. Wells' time machine. Yeah, you know these the are Morlocks. the Morlocks. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it's pretty derivative. Pretty, yeah, it? pretty derivative. But again, they're not really the focus of this episode. So the man that was being chased by them, he's called Padra. He's gone to look for his family. Um, Can I just mention, by the way, that one thing that is a sticking point for me when they they get they get through the gate of the silo, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 guards on the silo. First of all, that is a wobbly fence. Oh yeah, it does not seem like it would be hard to overpower at all. Secondly, they've got machine guns. Why are they putting up with the future kind? Why do they not just because all the future kind seem to want to do is to hunt and kill the the, the humans? Why are they? Putting up with this shit. Look, I'm a pacifist, right? I don't believe in the death penalty. But if I'm at the end of the fucking universe and it's and it's decent human beings versus sort of cannibalistic crazed monster men, and I'm the one with the guns, but we're calling them monster men. Yeah. The only difference is they have pointy teeth, and they want to kill all the humans. They're clearly capable of higher level thought. Why Why don't they just talk it through? There's no talking it through with them. But surely it's beneficial for them to work together. If they're, if they're literally hunting humans because there's yeah. no food, why don't they work together? Start a farm. Start a collective. Yeah, I mean, we can't decide whether we want to be in or out of the European Union. So, you know, it's hard for, di- for differing sides to, to agree on things sometimes, isn't it? The I should problem... point out again. I'm not. I'm not suggesting we gun down all of the <laughs> the fifty two percent. I just want to point out to the listeners: you're sat here in your "Make America Great Again" hat. <laughs> yeah. Right. So in this silo, they're walking around, and the doctor discovers that in the center of the silo is a rocket. Yeah. So the people are not refugees, they're passengers. Mm-hmm. They're hoping they can use this ship to get to Utopia. Yes. So Professor Yana from earlier beckons the doctor into his lab. Yes, because he's heard tell that they've brought in these, these strangers, one of whom claims to be a doctor of everything, and he has this like boyish, giddy excitement. He's yeah. like, Ooh, a scientist! Because you know. although he's called Professor Yana, yeah. he even says universities haven't existed for thousands of years yeah he's just basically 
the man in charge of the science element of yeah, this. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's just obviously the one nerd that's left. So they've given him a lab, left him to his own devices, and you know he's come up with his strategy of building this rocket mm. with a with an engine with his sort of bizarre engine system of his own devising. Mm. But the reason he can't is he needs to unify the impact patterns mm. to make liftoff. That's just basically the same as reverse the neutron flow, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's just some just, science thrown in there. Yeah, just... yeah, that's some classic Doctor Who techno babble. Okay, now we discussed earlier about how there are signs that are going to point to the ending. This yeah. is the first one. Professor Yana has the Doctor's hand in like a tank. Oh, uh, no, it's it's uh, Jack had it. J- Sorry, did he? Yeah, 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 because you know that backpack he was wearing? Okay. That contained the um, the the vat with the doctor's hand in it, and he was using that as like a doctor detector. Ah, it was the doctor's DNA. Right. That makes so more that's sense. why he how he knew the TARDIS had See, appeared. See, I just then. thought the backpack had, you know, like a MacGuffin machine in that would just detect the doctor. Right. No, that that's makes a lot yeah, more sense. Yeah. So Jack's the one they've been holding it. In fact, I think you see it in the first episode of Torchwood. It is amongst the artifacts in that room. Right, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, so it's the hand he lost in the cigarettes fight. Yeah. And the Doctor has to explain to Martha his regeneration. He shakes hands yeah. with her says, you know, I can just grow a new yeah. hand. And she is, like, weirdly freaked out by that. Yeah, but like, I feel like... She knows he's got two exactly, hearts. Exactly, she knows that he's an alien with different physiology. Um, she's seen the TARDIS... It's a weird alien space. Now is not the time for her to be freaked out by the fact that the Doctor is an alien, I feel. Like, so, she should have gone over on, that. On a random side note, yeah. I, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole yeah. this week just watching crazy science videos. Uh-huh. And at the moment, there I didn't know this, I think I'm right in saying it's in South America, there's a virus outbreak that is causing starfish to just pull their own limbs off. That's terrifying. So, as a defence mechanism, they can pull their limbs off. Yeah. As long as some of the centre of the star remains, yeah, they can it'll just grow re-grow. new ones. Yeah. But there's a virus that's just causing them to pull all their legs off at the moment. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So they just end so, up with just, like, one limb. Just basically. one, and then they grow more and pull them off. Ah. So if they're attacked, they haven't got spare limbs to pull off. That's bizarre. Yeah. It's horrifying. It's weirder than Doctor Who. Yeah. Real life. Okay, so, Professor Yana explains he's never heard of Time Lords, and we are on planet Malakasaro? Malakasaro? Maybe. I don't know. Tika Masala? (laughs) It could be. Might as well be. Never heard of it before. Don't think it comes up again. No. But this is the first time that the weird goth vampires are called the future kind. Yes. Yeah. Again, they've even got such a generic name, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't say what they are. (laughs) If it was like... The future cows. Yeah. And we could work out they were evil cows. But they're just people. They're obviously some kind of weird branch of humanity, aren't they? I I think in this episode, segregation and prejudice is the real enemy. Perhaps you were right. Mm. Um, So, yeah. um... (laughs) I've shunned you there with the conversation, haven't I? Yeah, I don't know how to move on from that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, the silo it's explained, receives a constant broadcast that says, come to Utopia. Mm-hmm. And Professor Yana 
at this point has what I've called a funny turn. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got, like, I don't want to say it's like PTSD, because there's no cause of it. He just no, has... But it is almost like that, isn't it? It's like he's yeah. flashing back to something, and you, you hear this sort of pulsing drum rhythm. Yeah. And, like, these sort of whispered voices, and he's just staring off into the middle distance. Do you have any clue what was going on at that point? No. I, I, I thought maybe... This is how they turn into future kind. Maybe he's... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know. Good theory. Because, again, at this point, I just thought this was paint by numbers Doctor Who. Yeah. The person who's the good guy, probably going to let us all down. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. So, the Doctor deduces there's no way for the rocket to fly. So he just uses the sonic screwdriver to fix it. Yeah. Well, basically, he and, and he does, like, humbly say, you know, look, you did all the hard work. I just came in at the last minute and just but patched it up. up. Up until now, he's just been like an observer yeah. of history. This is him interfering. Oh, he's interfered before. I know, but not like this. Mankind should be wiped out. And he, he... just says, oh, go on. Go to Utopia. He interfered uh, just as much, I would say, in the long game. With disastrous consequences. Hmm. But um, oh, he he he. Sometimes he'll talk a big game about not interfering with history. But he's just a but, meddler. Oh, he is absolutely. So whilst he's doing that, unsurprisingly, we see there's a future kind in the base. Yeah, and not only is it a future kind, it's the worst one. It's <laughs> the one that's really hamming up the acting. Yeah, because prior to now, as we know. From your amazing impression, they just shout "human, human." But this one is like hissing and like yeah, real, real sinister. I, I said it before; it's a bit Nosferatu, like yeah. walking around corners out of shadows and you know <laughs> hissing yeah. at people. It's not subtle, is it? If you don't want to get found out, yeah, don't go around hissing and baring your teeth, mate. Plus, how did she get in? If they check everyone. I don't. I mean, she she must have just snuck through. Like I say, it's a wobbly fence. It wouldn't take much, surely. It's not alluded to, but they're not like zombies. You don't just become one. They seem no. like a subspecies. I think I would say so. They seem like a de-evolved form of yeah, humanity. So she has those fangs. Yeah. In the past, you know, did she file them down and then they regrew? Who knows. Russell T. Davis has absolutely no interest in developing a future kind on any level. <laughs> Is this another throwaway villain? What, do you think... Um, I don't know, maybe the future kind will come back. In I mean, it is the end episodes. of time. So, if they don't come back in this episode, they ain't coming back, are they? I'm not going to say. Unlike other Doctor Who villains, yeah. I couldn't give a fuck if they come back on. <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. I, I hope they get nuked. I hope the rocket goes to Utopia and on the way out, I hope just Captain Jack does his Doctor Strange love on a bomb <laughs> and just nukes them. Who knows? Perhaps. It's, they're not good, are they? They're not great, no. Right. So. Doctor Yarn. Professor Yarner. Yeah. Says that somebody needs to stay behind to initiate the launch. 
he's going to do it. Yeah. And the doctor says, for doing so, he's a hero. Yeah. Um, at this exact moment, a message comes through saying the TARDIS has been retrieved. So prior to this, it was outside the fence. Um, I can't remember. They say they're doing like a requisition mission. They were going to, co- yeah, yeah, like collect water, I think. And uh, the doctor would ask if they could uh, keep an eye out for the TARDIS. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they need, in order to begin the launch, to send a man into the radiation chamber. Yeah. Well, it's not specifically a radiation chamber. But it's that's like, basically what it is. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. room where... From, we've talked about this in terms of spaceship design. Yeah. There's just four big buttons you need to push. Why put them in a room that's full of radiation? Apparently, Professor Yana thought it was a good idea. So that's what they've ended up with. And this is when we see one person attempt it. And yeah, yeah they just get just obliterated. So, as he goes in... I think he presses two of the four yep. buttons and a future kind woman, the one that we've seen before, starts toying with the power, yep. causes an explosion. Yeah. And we see him, he sort of turns to ash in an Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Inside the radiation suit. Yeah. So the, it just the suit remains. Mm. So Pretty that grim. lends itself to a joke in the next scene yeah. where Captain Jack works out he basically can't die yeah he's the one that should go in so he starts stripping off and the doctor yeah. says you know it destroys flesh not clothes <laughs> so I, I couldn't work this out yeah because jack goes in yes successfully presses yeah. the buttons yeah or whatever he needs to do for the launch yes and dies as a result of the radiation yes but dies in a totally separate way to how the first one did. At no point does Captain Jack melt away or fade no. away. And I know that he can't die. Yeah. But if the radiation kills you by destroying your flesh, surely he would still have some flesh destroyed. We don't know that Captain Jack is human. Uh... We know he's a time agent. Yeah, I suppose. It's never been alluded to. We've never had the origin story of Captain Jack. We just know he was a former time agent gone rogue. Is it ever? And then met the doctor and had a bit of a change of heart. Not in the five episodes that I saw. Who knows? Maybe in a later episode. But I, I personally, from my, from what I have seen, I don't have any clue whether or not Captain Jack is actually human. So I'm willing to give it a pass. That I suppose his... like an ambiguous backstory suits him. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, if it was just like, yeah, my name's Jack, my mum and dad didn't love me, that's why I'm so yeah. flamboyant. That's the thing, I don't, I don't need the Captain Jack origin story. Mm. I don't need it at all. I, I, I like the element of mystery to him. In much the same way that we don't have a clear origin story for the Doctor. When we have bits and pieces. We but... get, We get a little conversation later in the episode mm. about how the Doctor... Sorry, about how Captain Jack is able to travel through time. Yes. And at one point he says he got stuck in the past and yeah. had to live through the two world wars. Yeah. Do you think that's why he was there in The Empty Child? Uh, no. He... D- different. Uh, he, basically, Captain Jack's timeline, if I understand it correctly, is he's a time agent. He's got a vortex manipulator, which is the wrist-mounted thing yeah. that he uses to travel through time. Um Time Lords look askance at them. It's never really explained why Vortex Manipulators are worse 
than TARDIS is. I think it's just snobbery right. on the part of Time Lords because they seem, if anything, much more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he uses Vortex Manipulator to travel specifically to um, the Second World War because he's going to use that falling bomb as a means of giving a, a time limit to his deal for selling the Tula warship. Or truly ambulance, as it turns out. So he's gone there just to do that con, basically. Subsequent to that, he has travelled with the Doctor for a period of time. We saw some of that in Series 1. Left in the future. Uses his Vortex Manipulator again, which is kind of on the fritz at that point. Takes him all the way back to the sort of turn of the last century. And then he has to live through that whole century again. So, so in the Second World War, there will be two Jacks? Yeah, right. in different places. Right. So, yeah, that was a very long-winded way of saying what you said very <laughs> succinctly there. But, yeah, that's my understanding of it anyway. So, following this, we work out that Jack can't die. Yeah. Even though we've basically been told it four times this episode, we get that revelation. Yeah. And the Doctor says he's known ever since he ran away from Jack. Yeah. So he knew at the time, that's why he left Jack in the park. Yeah, and it, had, and it sort of made him uneasy. And rather than confront it, he, just he ran away. ran away. Yeah. So Martha starts to tell Yana that the Doctor is a time traveller. Yeah. And Yana has another funny turn. Yeah. And he has another when Jack mentions Daleks and the time vortex. And how are you feeling about these turns at this point? I, I just thought, what's going on? Yeah. You know, they're getting more frequent. Maybe it's just like a total head fuck for him. Yeah. But you're not making, you're not piecing together the fact that the triggers are all related to no. Time Lords and the Time War. and No. But we'll maybe discuss that yeah. later on. So, <clears throat> Jack then says, through his travels, when he was back in the past, he went to Rose's estate. And watch Rose grow up. Yeah. Because she's given him this gift. Yeah. He went and observed her. Yeah. Bit weird. He said just a couple of times. Just to kind of look in on an old Fully grown man on an estate watching kids. A sexually promiscuous man. (laughs) Okay. When you put it like that, bit weird. I I think it's sweet though. Um, And also... And if... if, I'm not certain he would. He would have an idea of when... Rose first met the Doctor. Yeah. So he'd be able to meet Billy Piper. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon Captain Jacks tried it on with Rose. Nah, In maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, she'd have been with Mickey slash Ricky at the time, working in that shop. Well, we know if that had happened, then Rose would have recognised her. Recognised him in the Empty Child. Yeah, but this happened after. Yeah, but... But we need those events to happen for this event to happen. Yeah, but still, if Jack had visited her um, and and had interactions with her prior to The Empty Child, when she meets him in The Empty Child, she would recognise him from those previous interactions. It would be in Jack's future, but it would have been in her past. Maybe they just keep it secret. (laughs) Not not to upset the doctor. (laughs) Maybe. Anyway. Yeah. Right. So, 
Yana is having all these funny turns. He is, yeah. And he explains that he has a watch. And is this the moment? Watch from. Yeah. From the human nature. Yeah. Yeah. Now, part of me thought, is it the same watch that the doctor gave to the young lad? I can't remember his name. Yeah, the the little Jojen Reed. Yeah. Yeah. But then he grew up. And became an old man who didn't look like Derek Jacobi. Yeah. So So it's not. It can't be the same person. Yeah. Um. And then Yana says that he's an orphan and he was found with the watch. Yeah. Now, this is the moment where it started to click for me. Yeah. Because, although it's not identical, it's a little bit similar to when we had um, Smith, Mr. Smith. Yeah. As the teacher, alternative to the doctor. Yes. Martha makes the same discovery. Yeah, she, she sort of like, we haven't seen the front of the watch yet, and then he, she sort of turns it over in his hand, and we see the Gallifreyan markings. Yeah. Is, is that what those Yes, that's, that's Gallifreyan are. script. Right. Is there any translation anywhere on the internet? Nope. Just looks pretty. Yeah. So, Martha runs to the doctor, tells him what's going on, but him and Jack are sort of prepping the launch of this rocket. Yeah. Jack's the one that works out that there's a possibility he's a Time Lord. Mm-hmm. And whilst this is happening, the watch begins to speak to Yana in the same way the watch spoke to Smith yeah. in Family of Blood. Yeah. Now, this is the bit I really liked. Yeah. This is the best bit of the whole episode. Martha says, think of the face of Bo's final words. Big shout out to the face of Bo. Yeah. I love him. Old friend. I love his beautiful, big face. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Yeah. And he says... Obviously, sorry, Martha says that the face of Bo's final words, you are not alone. alone. Yeah. As she says those words, sorry, as the face of Bo mouths those yeah. words, it flashes up on the computer screen. Y-A-N-A. Yeah. You are not alone. Yeah, Professor Yana. Yeah. Okay. So, he is a time lord. Yeah, it's all just coming to a head. All those little tendrils, those little threads... All just coming together in this moment. We have ourselves another Time Lord. Albeit one that doesn't yet know he's a Time Lord. And this is the moment where I think Series 3 went from being proper shit yeah. to alright. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I, I'm always looking for these overarching mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. And we finally get it. Yeah. So is that potentially... We'll maybe wait until... The series is done and dusted, but does this potentially redeem some aspects of well, earlier episodes? I, that... I feel like a bit of a fool, because every series we've watched so far, I've sort of thought, oh, this is alright. And then the final episodes are always really good. <laughs> like, they're always the best bit. Yeah. you just got to have patience. Like, I think I'm learning this lesson the hard way. When we yeah. come on to series four, I'm just, I'm not even going to rate the episodes, I'm just going <laughs> to get to the end. And just rate the whole series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so here we are, and and worth mentioning. So we he opens the watch, right? Let's yeah. let's talk. Let's tackle this bit, and then uh, then I'll drop some knowledge on you. So he opens the watch. Yeah, has another funny turn. Yeah, the, uh, the, the you know the the light comes streaming out. Yeah, it's he gets exactly is what we've seen with the doctor. Yeah, so we know this process. We know what's happening here. So we know that. He's human only in the sense that he's a Time Lord who's changed his biology. Yeah, he's used the, com- 
not comedian, comedian arch. Yeah, yeah, to uh, change his physiology. And now that he's gone full bad guy, he traps the Doctor, Martha, and Jack. And Chantho tries to shoot Yana. Yeah, yeah, and but, she's like pleading with him and saying, you know, Professor Yana, what's you know. And is this the point where he drops his name? Yeah, yeah. she says, Professor, don't yeah. kill me. Yeah. He says, that's not my name. I am the master. Yeah. Now, you're a lot more excited by this than I am. Yeah. Because I'm entirely unfamiliar with this. This is, potentially, it's a criticism of this series in that in order to play this big reveal, there has been no build-up for new fans as to who the master is. Mm-hmm. If you are a classic Who fan... This is everything. Right. The Master is the Moriarty to Doctor, the Doctor's Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. He is a rival Time Lord, a, a renegade Time Lord in the same way that the Doctor is a renegade Time Lord, but utterly mercenary, sociopathic, hell-bent on world domination and all kinds of evil machinations. A right old bad egg. Right. But he's a time lord. And so, you know, he has access to time travel. He is he is a super genius in the same way that the Doctor is. They have history. Do we ever get in Classic Who? And I only know this through yeah. conversations with yourself. Yeah. That in some of the earlier series, the Doctor is, like, banished from Gallifrey. Yes. Well, the very first episode, right? he says that, you know, uh, the Doctor and Susan are from another time, from another world, and essentially, I forget the exact word, but essentially they're kind of hiding out on Earth. Do, do we ever get to see Time Lord civilization on Gallifrey? In the classic series, yes. So, yeah. do the names Doctor and Master mean anything? In that society, was the Doctor... The Doctor. Oh, yeah. The do- was the Master, like, a leader? The, the, the Doctor and the... They are titles that they chose for themselves. Right. They're not, like, positions. It's like it's like basically giving yourself a nickname. Right. But the Doctor and the Master are known figures within Time Lord civilization because, because they are both, for whatever reasons, they've stolen TARDIS, it's gone away, because the general time... The general thing with Time Lords is they don't intervene they, they, they have this power but they're like almost like um the watchers in marvel comics <laughs> they observe the, the course of history but they do not meddle with the course of history except for those that for whatever reason are tempted by the power of, of tinus and things like um we don't know in the classic series why exactly the doctor ran away from gallifrey society why he chose to take a sardis and <laughs> travel through time and stuff like that but he has made that choice. Um, and on occasion, there are stories that are set on Gallifrey and, and deal directly with Time Lord. If you were a Time Lord on yeah. Gallifrey, what nickname would you give yourself? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, okay. I've, I could go for a self-deprecating answer and be like, I don't know, the fool or something <laughs> like that. Because, you know... I think that fits pretty well. If I was feeling pretentious, because, you know, I am a, I am a practising poet and stuff, maybe the poet would be a pretty cool oh. one. I think I'd opt for the rad dude. 
yeah. And everywhere I go, people will be like, oh, look, there's the rad dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm claiming that. The rad dude. The rad dude and the poet. Yeah. That's got spin-off potential. Yeah. A bit of fan fiction. Yeah. Because how do you know I haven't used my chameleon arc? I don't. I've got no way of knowing. If you look on my shelf over there, there's a pocket watch. Fuck. I mean, there isn't. Yeah. There's just loads of Warhammer and my Pokemon games. Yeah. Never mind. Well, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have to be a pocket watch. Maybe one of those could contain your your Time Lord DNA. Yeah, yeah. It could be that alarm clock that's not plugged in. Yeah, it could be that little Wolverine figure. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> so, like we say, he has revealed himself as the master and he kills Chantha. Yeah. and he Not me- before laying into her and being like, what an annoying... <laughs> Yeah. You know, with your chan and your thou and you know, immediately wins the hearts and minds of the nation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can we talk as well about Derek Jacobi's turn here? Because he has been this cuddly, absent-minded professor mm. for this whole episode, and in this one moment, his his face is different. It, it, How does he do that? It reminded me a lot. Of in the Lord of the Rings films where Bilbo Baggins yes. sees the ring and becomes yes. a little Smeagol-esque. Yeah, yeah, you suddenly see this dark side and, and oh, such a good performance from Jacoby here. And yeah, just, yeah, electrocutes Chantho with this you know, wires from his lab. Just and, after he does. Yeah. The Doctor, Martha and Jack approach and Chantho, not fully dead, gets a shot off, yeah. mortally wounds the Master. Yeah. So... He has just enough life force left to hide in the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. And he regenerates. Yes. And he becomes John Sim. John Sim. Who, Do you know him from other stuff? Uh, he was in Queer as Folk, was he? He may have been. I've not, I've not watched Queer as Folk. I it's think he maybe years. was. Yeah. I do recognise him. I most know him from Life on Mars, which yes. is a show yes. I've talked about before on here. Yeah. He's one of the two leads. In, but that's in that. British Life on Mars, not yes. the American remake. Yeah, yeah, which is, again, a fantastic time travel series if you want a good bit of different tri- time travel telly. And what I really liked mm. is as soon as he's regenerated into his younger form, his portrayal is basically the same portrayal David Tennant gives the Doctor. They're, yeah. they're two sides of the same coin. Absolutely. He is basically it, an evil person. Because, well, the, 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 the master in Derek Jacobi form says, uh, he's, he's, he knows he's going to regenerate. He says, well, if the Doctor can be young and fit yeah. and, 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 you know, strong, so can I. And because, of course, um, this master has known previous incarnations of the Doctor, most of whom have been their 40s and up in terms of the actors portraying them so you know have that slightly more mature less physically active Hmm. um aspect to them uh but yeah so we we get our our yin to david Tennant's yang or whatever one thing i don't think we've mentioned is the reason the master uses the chameleon arc is to hide from the time war yes yeah so obviously um time lords are being hunted down the yeah. best thing to do is to stop in the time war. Yeah, that's the thing, and and good job he did because of course we know how the time war ended. Yeah, and who ended it? Yeah. <laughs> so if if he hadn't done that, 
then uh, he would have been a goner. Yeah, so he hides at the end of time. Yeah. Becomes a human, just waits for it all to blow over. Yeah. So, from within the TARDIS, as John Sim, he begins speaking out to the Doctor, Martha and Jack. Martha says, oh, I recognise that voice. Yeah. And I recognise that voice. Yeah. He's Mr. Saxon. Could be. So, he's the master's been in the background manipulating events this whole series. Yeah. And I can't believe I didn't see it because yeah. it's exactly the same as what's happened in other series. Do you want to know um, an interesting little fact? Go on. Uh, Mr. Saxon is an anagram of Master Number Six. It is. Mm-hmm. And is he the sixth? Sixth actor to portray the master. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's good how, stuff, isn't it? How, how did things end with the Master in Classic Who? When was the last time we saw the Master? This is the other thing I wanted to mention. You've already seen the Master. When we first started this this uh, podcast, you told me that the only episode of Doctor Who you'd ever seen was the 1996 Paul McGann yep. TV movie, in which the Master is portrayed by Eric Roberts. Oh, right. He is the main antagonist in that movie. I- like I say, I know I've seen that, but I It was I a can, long time ago. I can remember literally <laughs> nothing of it. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so if you, you have technically already seen The Master. To be honest, you've, you've seen the shittest version of The Master. Or the best. Um, <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, certainly days for you. So, um, yeah. So, final little bit of the episode mm-hmm. then. The Doctor realises that the Master's trying to escape in the TARDIS, so he tries to fry the TARDIS with his sonic screwdriver. Yeah. Just tries to destroy it. We've never seen that. Well, I don't know if he's trying to destroy it. He's just trying to override... Just trying to halt it. Yeah, yeah. But the Master escapes. Yes. We finally got a good cliffhanger. Mm Mm-hmm. Although next next episode, it'd probably be like, oh, I forgot my shoes or something. (laughs) He'll step out and the Doctor (laughs) will get back in it. Be something ridiculous. Yeah. Because... But I'm excited. Yeah. No, normally, the cliffhangers are just absolutely crap. No. You know, I think our criticism of cliffhangers began with the Slovene. I mean, you where, say we. Uh, you, uh, I, I like the way cliffhangers operate this, because it's very similar to Classic Who, where every single 25-minute episode would end on a cliffhanger, mm. and most of them are utterly crap. So a crap cliffhanger is just... That's just good old-fashioned Doctor good Who for one. me. Yeah, it's, normally, it's tantalising. Normally, it? the cliffhangers are just yeah. the doctor pretending he's hurt or yeah. something. I mean, and especially if you're a classic Who fan, be like, oh, hey, guys, one of the most significant antagonist characters from the classic series is back, even though you thought there was no possible way he could be back because his entire species has been wiped out, and we've told you very, very and clearly that that's happened. In, in this very episode, as well as 42, yeah. The Impossible Planet, yeah. we've seen the doctor distressed when separated from the TARDIS. Yeah. And here, it's the first time, not only is he separated, but separated through time and space. Yes. Normally, yeah. it's just like, over the hedge, mm. and he can't get to it. Yeah. But no. He's got his work cut but, out. And it's in the hands of his, I wouldn't say mortal enemy, but certainly a, a long-term adversary. Hmm. Like I say, I thought the end of this episode would just be like, oh, Yana's just like some random alien 
the Doctor finishes him off and mm. they all live happily ever after. I, I, I like the ending here. Yeah. Like I say, it's a bit paint by numbers for the first half hour and then it gets really good really quickly. Yeah. No, it's 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 an incredible ending. It does very much overshadow everything else. Like I say, I enjoy the rest of the episode for what it is. I enjoy the interactions between... I love that we get, get silly interactions with Jack and I love also that scene that they share either side of the, the door in the radiation room where things get a bit real. Yeah. And the Doctor, I think almost having the safety of the wall between them, starts to actually admit his misgivings mm. and confront that maybe he was a bit of a dickhead leaving Jack yeah. stranded uh, and and so on. But yeah, so I, I, I think there's some good character development there. And we are all set for a rip-roaring two-part finale. Yeah, and I'm I, forward to this. And I, I don't... I, I, I hope you, you appreciate that I chose not to just smush this in with the, with the rest because it's weird in that it is... Te- it's a three-part finale, if you want to look mm. at it that way, but this episode is kind of almost like a prologue to the main finale. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's worth talking about on its own merits. Plus, I think if we watch them all together... First of all, I would know that something was coming yes. at the end of this yeah. episode. Yeah. And maybe if I watch them all in one sitting, I think the drama of the ending of this episode might get lost in the yeah, shuffle. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly appreciate it when I was watching the series going out, having that week to just gestate uh, uh, yeah. uh, over the fact that, oh... The Master's back. I mean, I really cannot overstate how huge a thing... Like, he was established in the Third Doctor's era, but ever since, he has just been... If you were to sort talk about your iconic villains of Doctor Who, um, Daleks and the Cybermen are the ones that are recognisable to the everyday public. Yeah. For your real hardcore fans, most of them would rank the Master above. I, I think I like yeah. the concept more than yeah. those two. Well, it's a Don't... very different idea, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, those two are like just disposable, like certainly the Cybermen, yeah. disposable foot soldiers. Yeah, they're just murder bots. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I, why I like the cult of Scarrow, because they're yeah. so different from just, yeah, we're here to kill you. They're more scheming and stuff. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yeah, so, so the Master promises to be a very different kind of villain for our yeah. finale. I'm excited for that. Fantastic. Right. Before so, we wrap up, yeah, a couple of things we need to say. All right. Obviously, next episode will be the finale. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get in touch, we'd totally appreciate that. Yes. If you get in touch, we'll definitely read it out. Definitely. We don't... We're not exactly inundated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, our email is timenospacepod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at timenospacepod. And also, I think we maybe need to just take a little bit of time to say thank you because I think by the time this episode drops, we'll have crossed 3,000 downloads. Really? Yeah. That's, I, che- that's I checked the awesome. statistics for like the first time ever. <laughs> and I can't believe 3,000 listens to me and you sat in an attic talking about Dr. That's Hill. crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And, it's, and it, let's be honest, it's not like there aren't plenty of other random people you could listen to talking about Doctor Who. Yeah, more knowledgeable, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. We've done well this week. We haven't gone off on that many tangents. No, that's true. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I, I'd echo that. Thank you every so much to every single person who listens to even just one episode. Thanks for checking us out. Um, we really appreciate it. It's, it's, ni- it's nice to have that little, 
tidbit of validation that yeah. we're not just wasting our time. Yeah. Though, I think we'd do it even if no one was listening. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would anyway. I'd, I'd come in. I'd come and sit in your attic by myself to talk about Doctor Who <laughs> to no one. Um, but anyway, thanks ever so much. Uh, so until next time when we will be discussing... Um, the Sound of Drums and Last of the Time Lords. Mm-hmm. Cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.